0: And I said, what? And she said, oh my gosh, your thighs are getting big.
1: Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group. So I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art, make it your masterpiece. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lavendaire Lifestyle. It's your host, Eileen. Today's episode is on body love. We're going to talk about how to change the way you look at and feel about your body, how to finally put an end to emotional eating, and start living your best life. So, with us today is Susan Hyatt. Susan is a master certified life coach who has helped thousands of women transform their bodies and lives. She's the creator of the Bear Process, the Bear Deck, the Bear Pot. And an online community called Bear Daily. Susan has been featured in Cosmopolitan, Women's World, Seventeen, and O, oh, the Oprah Magazine, and was a finalist for the Athena Award, honoring her work in the field of women's empowerment. Hello, Susan. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle. How are you?
0: I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to dig into everything you know about body positivity. So, can you tell me what is the story
0: of your relationship with your body that started all of this? Well, what really started it for me was years ago. I was about 11 years old. I didn't, up until that age, really have that I can remember any thoughts that my body. Wasn't amazing the way that it was. A lot of the clients that I work with actually can, you know, remember being put on a diet at four or five. Wow. But for me, right, I was 11, it was my birthday, I received a Polaroid camera for my birthday. And my sister, who is six and a half years older than me, we were taking turns taking pictures of each other with this Polaroid camera. And I was in JCPenney's Finest. I had a birthday outfit on. It was like a little lavender and white striped shirt and little lavender shorts. Uh, And I don't know if you've ever tried to speed up the development of Polaroid film where like you hold it up to a light bulb or you blow on the film to try to get it to speed speed up developing. Well, my sister was holding this picture of me above Mm -hmm. a light bulb to get it to develop quickly. This is like old school Polaroid, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And um, she flipped the photo over and she immediately gasped and she went, (gasps) and I said, what? And she said, oh my gosh, your thighs are getting big. Oh no. (laughs) And I remember looking down, you know, when I look at pictures of myself, then I was this twiggy little thing, you know, but I had waves of shame that oh my gosh my body like I'm walking around like this and uh, I didn't know it. Yeah. And that really started a relationship with my body that was about punishment and deprivation and yo-yo dieting. Like most women, I just thought this was part of being female. Never being happy with your body, never mm-hmm. it never being good enough, always trying to shrink it as much as possible. And when I started my coaching business about 12 years ago, I was a busy mom. My kids were really little at the time. And I knew that there was a big issue to dive into with food and body issues because I was picking them up from school, sitting them at the dining room table to do their little like pre-K worksheets, and then quote unquote, treating myself to a wheel of brie and wine and (laughs) um, really using food and alcohol in an unhealthy way, stuffing down emotion. And so when I started on that journey 12 years ago, figuring really in earnest, figuring it out, it was mind blowing to me what I discovered and how self-violent most women are in their minds about their bodies, including myself. And I vowed that was never part of my business plan to be on a podcast like yours talking about food and body issues. But I vowed that if I figured it out, I was going to help as many women as possible. And so that's what I'm doing. Awesome. There's so much I want to dive into. I
1: mean, first of all, I feel like so many women, almost all women can probably relate to a story like that. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. a child and then someone says something about your body and it makes you like, huh? Like you just become so self-aware. For Mm -hmm. me, it was in fifth grade when Mm -hmm. a boy started saying how big my butt was. And then I started comparing my butt size to the girls in class. And Mm -hmm. like, it's all of that. And it really Mm -hmm. is normal, as sad as it is to for for women to not feel comfortable and confident in their bodies. So
0: it's almost every woman. I know. It's it's crazy. It's really rare that I get a woman who is like, "Nope, I'm all good. (laughs) And because half of my business is helping entrepreneurs make money. And it doesn't matter if they're coming to me for business or if they're coming to me for food or body, we always end up talking yeah. about body image. And if I, I had one woman at one of my book signings come up to me and say, you know, I loved your talk and I'm here because of my daughter, because her daughter has an eating disorder. And she said, but when you started talking about age and you started talking about you know, trying to say as young as possible, then you Mm. had my attention. So for a lot of women, Mm -hmm. if any of your listeners are like, you know, I feel really confident in my own skin. I don't have any weird issues around food. I'm so happy for you. But diet culture permeates everything. It permeates how young you are, how rich you are, all those things.
1: Yeah. And it's as sad as it is, it's so normal for women to feel this way about their bodies. But but men, like boys, I don't mm-hmm. really think they give a second thought to to their bodies or not as much as women mm-hmm. do for sure.
0: It, it's true. I have a 20-year-old son and an 18-year-old daughter, and it's been interesting raising them and observing the difference between the two. And I will say that boys can have a really unhealthy relationship as it relates to, with their bodies as it relates to sports. Mm, so some of yeah. my son's friends that were like trying to make weight for wrestling or boxing or or something like that, there can be some disordered behavior that happens there, but it's not for the same reasons typically. It's not because they're expected to in order to be acceptable. Girls and women are trained that our appearance is our ticket to success, whereas boys yeah. are rewarded for different things.
1: Totally. So let's unpack how do we like undo all of this? You know, what are the first steps <laughs> to truly appreciate our bodies, even when our bodies are imperfect?
0: Yeah. And so uh, let's just say everybody's body is perfectly imperfect and and most mm-hmm. women who come to me who say that they want to work on this still secretly have a goal that they want to just get skinny. And so it's, it's helping women recognize that the first step I call environmental detox, which is being really an investigator, an investigative reporter, if you will, in your own life and paying attention to all the things that deplete you. So everything from your physical space, to who are you hanging out with what kinds of peer conversations are you having what are you watching what are you scrolling on social media what kind of music are you listening to what what magazines are you picking up because what apps are you participating in because all of those things apply Your your eyes, your ears, your senses. And it's not just about Mm -hmm. the food that you're eating, it's about everything that you're consuming. And when I educate women on like diet culture and let's pay attention to the messages you're receiving and everything that's draining you, that's really the first step is waking up. And typically, so listeners who are hearing this, I want to challenge you to do this. And and anything that is draining you needs to be evaluated. So you may not be able to quit your job if Mm -hmm. if that's what pops up for you. Typically my clients come back to me and they're like, okay, I hate everyone. (laughs) I want to, I want to divorce my spouse and quit everyone. Yeah. Hashtag canceled. And the thing I want to urge you to do is like just observe. Because what's interesting about it all is that you can set boundaries and make changes, even if it's something that you feel like, okay, I value my paycheck. I'm not just going to burn all the boats today and walk out in a blaze of glory. But there are things that you can say no to. There are boundaries you can have around people who are toxic. There are conversations you can have in relationships where you can advocate for yourself. And that's really what this is all about is advocating for yourself and learning to appreciate your body. But the first step is a little bit of research and then moving into how are you moving your body and what are you eating? And does it come from a place of love or punishment?
1: So it seems like a lot of it is awareness and investigating what you consume mentally and physically with Mm -hmm. the food that you Mm -hmm. eat.
0: Totally, because... You know, I was I was saying in one of my groups the other day that we just had Mother celebrated Mother's Day and my favorite cake is red velvet cake. I was raised in the South and I don't know if you can mm-hmm. appreciate a good red velvet cake, but if it has the right buttercream frosting, I am all in. And so my husband gave me this beautiful red velvet cake and he was so proud because he knows it's my favorite and I had a big piece of it and I enjoyed every single bite <laughs> until later when I had a sugar hangover for 48. hours. Wow. And, and it was sort of like, there's no food that's off limits in my world. There's only power foods. So foods that power you up and pleasure foods, foods that you eat strictly for pleasure. However, that didn't feel like love later, you know? Mm. And so it's like, okay, I'm a grown woman. I can eat what I want, but I definitely am going to make decisions about what I consume because like for 48 hours, I was moody. I, you know, didn't have the energy that I normally have. And so it's not, I'm not going to eat this cake because I'm dieting. It's like, you know what, that food doesn't suit my particular system. So I'm going to pass on it next time, or maybe just have Mm -hmm. a couple bites. Yeah. I mean, I know that you get to that
1: point when you've been eating healthy because if you've Mm -hmm. been eating healthy and you eat sugar, then it's like your body reacts crazy. But Mm -hmm. for people who are in that state of like sugar and junk food, Mm -hmm. is their normal? Mm -hmm. What do you say to that? Because and and this Mm -hmm. also ties into like emotional eating, because Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been there, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're healthy one week, the next week, you're like, I give up, I'm just gonna like binge and pig Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So
0: what can you say about that? Totally. Well, so I was that woman for years and years. And when I, prior to starting this company 12 years ago, I was in residential real estate. So I was basically living in my car and I was going through fast food drive through restaurants three times a day. Wow. And so I would like do this thing where I would join Weight Watchers and I would count my points And eat, like, all the zero-point foods, (laughs) and then I would have enough of it, and I would be swinging through Taco Bell three times, you know, all day the next day. (laughs) And I was this junk food junkie couch potato who... When I first started on this journey, it was turtle steps. So it was one meal at a time. You know, let me make some choices that are going to give me life, give me more energy. Because I think everybody listening who is like, you know, consuming whole pizzas and and know that you're eating to avoid your feelings or you're overeating because that's what you do. It's making a decision that you're going to make small choices And the question, the shorthand for me is always like, okay, what decision is going to feel like love? And on Mm -hmm. the outset, I have clients who say, well, this whole box of donuts feels like love, Susan Hyatt. (laughs) And it's like, well, in the short term, it might, but later it doesn't feel that way. And so Mm -hmm. it's helping people say like, okay, what do I have going on in my life? What do I need energy for? What do I need mental clarity for? And what's most important to me? And he, hey, I'm not here to pry the Totino's pizza out of your hands. Like you're <laughs> you're listening to this. You're a grown woman. You can make your own decisions. But if you are trying to go from being that fast food junkie like I was to someone who's full of energy and mentally clear and making decisions from a place of love, it just don't start with saying like I'm going to clean out the fridge and the whole house and. And I'm on now. I'm on this clean eating plan because you're setting yourself up for quitting. Yeah. You know, it's the small incremental steps and tuning into attentively, you know, how does this taste? How does this feel in my body? And what kind of decision can I make right now in the present moment? And, you know, sometimes that means like, okay, I have to actually feel the boredom that I'm feeling right now instead of trying to stuff it down. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, so many times it's because you're trying to like hide or mask a fear that you have. I think, Mm -hmm. I mean, can you help Mm -hmm. our listeners dive deeper into like why we swing on this pendulum from healthy to binging? And like, why do we emotional eat? Mm -hmm. I, I just feel like if we know the root cause, it can help so much.
0: Absolutely, great question. And I think for me, what was interesting for me to understand, so I mentioned I would like, put my kids at the table to do their homework. And then I would treat myself with right. like all these that's, snacks. That's really normal. I I mean, in my world, it's I see
1: people do that.
0: Totally. And it's yeah. like it becomes a ritual for people like, oh, well, I'm having a happy hour. And this is my you know, a lot of people do it with their roommates or their spouse or partner. It's like a thing mm-hmm. that we have a drink and we cook together and we make all this stuff. And the thing that I was avoiding, and that's the question to ask yourself, like, what am I trying to get from food that I need to get from somewhere else? So for me, it was entertainment and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like that became my primary source of joy, entertainment, pleasure. And which is why I talk a lot about diversifying your pleasure from things other than just food and alcohol. But I was stuffing down boredom. Yeah. I had I had created my whole life in such a way that it was important to me to pick my kids up from school and be the one with them after school. But what I discovered was that while I loved my kids so much, I really did not like all the momming that happens, (laughs) you know, after work. Yeah, the work. And and Mm -hmm. I was eating and drinking to kind of cope with this boredom. And then the shame that I felt that I wasn't a good enough mom, like good moms really like that. Ah, uh, right. I see. Yeah, and so you're. So for any of you who are listening, who are like, "Why am I overeating?" I promise you, it's to avoid feeling something. And so the way to figure out what you're avoiding feeling is pay attention to your pattern. So if it is that you're like me, that in the late afternoon or through the evening you're like plowing through the kitchen when pay attention to when you're overeating is it social situations is it by yourself is it all of the above and then challenge yourself just for the next day to not do that and notice what feeling comes up and what thoughts you're thinking that are creating those feelings so for me i remember being scared to do this exercise and thinking like oh my god this is going to be horrifying And I remember sitting in this blue chair I have, like, okay, batten down the hatches. I'm not having my brie and wine. (laughs) And what came to me was this real just low-level, uncomfortable boredom. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm freaking bored. And I'm trying to avoid that and get entertainment from somewhere else. But for somebody else listening, you might be stuffing down loneliness or anger or just have fear and anxiety about your work or some big thing you're going for. Or you may be overeating because things are going great and you don't Mm -hmm. know how to handle joy.
1: Okay, so what would you suggest we do instead? You said you diversify your pleasures. What does that mean?
0: Yes. So I am a firm believer that one of the biggest lies of diet culture is that if we just had more willpower, we could do it. And I remember thinking this, like, I just don't have the right amount of willpower to do all that, to eat healthy, to work out any of it. And what I know for sure is that that's the biggest lie. I mean, women have I mean, think about everything you do in a day and everything we deal with in the world. We have plenty of willpower. It's not a willpower problem. It's a pleasure problem because in addition to being shamed about how we look and, and then all the things that we do in the invisible part-time job of women, which is a whole other podcast <laughs> episode in and of totally. itself, we, we don't prioritize what we want. So we put it on the back burner, our pleasure for everybody else's, you know, we think we have to give, give, give and work hard. And it's this puritanical society that we're raised in that like, you can't possibly put yourself first. That's selfish. You have work to do. And so when I say that, diversify your pleasure, most people are really confused because when I say pleasure, they think of either sex, which certainly is one category of pleasure, intimacy and physical touch, or they think it's something that you have to pay for and consume like a mani pedi or a massage, which certainly can be pleasurable and part of it. But I mentioned physical touch is one. You have to really think about, okay, what do I, what am I craving? Is it physical touch and intimacy? Is it intellectual stimulation? you know so if it's that like what can i do watch a ted talk or read a great book or have meaningful conversations with people is it community that i'm really craving and missing is it some kind of connection with my higher power you no know, so spirituality and the lack thereof of that can be really depleting for some people beauty is a category and just like straight up fun and luxury physical movement as well so you have to really think about What is it that I feel is missing and that I'm craving? And am I giving that power, that attention to food and Mm -hmm. alcohol instead of creating beauty and diversity and intellectual stimulation and comfort? Like comfort is pleasurable, right? Maybe you do need a Netflix Mm -hmm. binge. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with something like that.
1: What will you do for your dreams in 2019? Introducing The Artist of Life Workbook and Daily Planner by Lavendaire, tools to help you create your best year in 2019. If you love journaling, self-discovery, creativity and productivity, these are perfect for you. Filled with 125 pages of questions and exercises, the 2019 Artist of Life Workbook walks you through reflecting on your past year, setting goals and intentions for the new year, discovering yourself, staying committed to your goals and tracking your progress monthly. The Daily Planner by my Lavendaire is a tool to help you design a productive, effective, and meaningful day. The Artist of Life workbook helps you plan a macro view of your life, while The Daily Planner helps you plan the micro. Together, these tools will help you build your dream life, one page at a time. They're seriously life-changing and they make great gifts too. Go to shop.lavendaire.com to check them out. Sending you so much light. I feel like food is just so tied to things. For example, if you're craving like community and friendship, sometimes food is a way to do that. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're mistaking like food for the pleasure, but the pleasure is actually like eating with a friend. And so I think it's really helpful to be aware of like, what actually do I need? Like, it's not
0: the food, it's everything else. Yeah. And I do think and I want to be clear here, like, I, I think your food should be pleasurable. And there is pleasure yeah. to get from food. So this isn't like, oh, you sh- food shouldn't be part of the equation. It just shouldn't be the whole equation. And right. And I agree with you, like so many cultures, like I do a couple of retreats a year in Italy. Mhm. And right, the Italian yeah, food is everything. Woo! Yes. <laughs> and it's but if you really pay attention, I've blogged a few times about this. It's always fascinating for me to take a group of retreaters out to eat in in Italy because it's an event. It's not like, you know, in the US it's, you know, so fast we eat so quickly and it's like we're so efficient and it's not necessarily as laid back and about connection and lingering and savoring like it is in Europe. Oh, totally. And so I've learned a lot from those cultures about attentive eating because it is about sitting down, connecting with the people that you're talking to celebration. And yes, there's amazing food on the table, but you're not getting everything out of that pasta. So I
1: actually have another thing I wanted to ask you. I, I mean, I saw a testimonial on your website that says someone who went through the bear process was like, I feel like I've lost a 10,000 pounds of emotional weight. So can you share a little bit about that? Because mm-hmm. I that's it's such a huge topic, but... How can we shed those things that are weighing us down emotionally, physically,
0: and mentally? So it really is about getting honest with yourself. And so most of my clients actually do say that, that yes, sometimes there is physical weight loss that happens as part of the bare process. It's not the focus, but it's a byproduct. But what tends to happen first is when we walk through the seven-step process, there's an awareness that happens where all of a sudden the lights are on, and they're aware of what they're tolerating, that they need to have boundaries around. They're aware of how they're stuffing themselves or starving themselves where food's related. They're aware of how they've really used exercise as punishment for their body and for what they ate instead of a celebration of what their body can do. And then there's a whole thing that I call be seen, make a scene, which is about advocating for yourself and speaking up and using your voice. And so typically when women go through this process and they become awake to what's draining them, they start to create boundaries. They start to advocate for themselves and prioritize what they want and their pleasure. Then all of a sudden they feel like part of one of the tools that I teach is how to use your mind and not let your mind use you. So there's a lot of thought work involved. And through all of that, it's like, oh, my gosh, I have quieted this inner mean girl, which is exhausting, you know, to eavesdrop on yourself. I don't know about you, but when I first started eavesdropping on myself and paying attention to all the mean things I would tell myself on any given day – it's exhausting. So yeah. <laughs> when you learn how to how to pay attention to that and tell yourself something else other than negative stuff, that is where the emotional weight just comes off. And it's like, holy cow, it's a new day. Mm. It's like just looking at your mind with fresh eyes, right? Totally. And I think that's one thing for people listening I want to challenge you to do is say for the next 24 hours while you're awake eavesdrop on yourself every hour on the hour and make note of what are you thinking about? And if what you're thinking about and telling yourself is negative, is very mean girl, take note of the repeat offenders, the ones that keep coming up over and over Mm -hmm. and over again, like, oh, you're so disorganized or I can't believe you said that. Nobody likes you or, you know, whatever's coming up. Yeah, And evaluate that because I promise you, if you can learn how to notice what you're saying and pivot your thoughts, create better feeling thoughts, or at least neutral thoughts that aren't mean, you will become a time creator in your life because it's all of a sudden Mm. you'll have so much more energy. Oh, I
1: love that. It's so important. So I'm, I'm going to do that myself, too, after this.
0: Oh, I can't wait to hear what comes up. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to forewarn everybody. Your brain is not broken. Really, every human being deals with negative thinking. It's just how our brains are wired. But the good news is, is you, you can retrain your brain to be more positive.
1: Yeah, totally. Moving on, I have some Facebook questions Mm -hmm. from our Facebook group. So Meek asks, what are your favorite ways to practice self-care for free?
0: I love this. And if you want, I can send you some resources to put in the show notes because this is such a common question. Because like I mentioned, so many people think that self-care is a consumable thing or they're like, well, I don't have the money to go for a massage. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's one way to get self-care. But self-care is really about the simple pleasures and the simple things. So one of the biggest things I do for my own self-care is I'm a big morning and evening ritual person. What I mean by that is I have some things that I do every single morning and every single evening just to help my day and my life go well. And part of that includes in the morning quiet time, coffee, working out. So I love to move my body (laughs) and that really helps get my day started off right. I also set some intentions for the day in my planner. I make sure that I have written down all my appointments like this one and that I'm pretty prepared and I go into the day feeling pretty good. And my evening ritual is really to have a gratitude practice and talk about with myself, like top three things I was grateful for that day. I look at my next Mm. day's schedule and just mentally prepare. I have quiet time before bedtime as well. And these things really help set me up for continued self-care. Some of the other things I do are like, I make sure that little things like what I put my hands on, like my coffee mug, my dishes, they're all I don't save, for example, I don't save the china and the good stuff for just company. I use it on a daily basis. Mm, Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's a little way I treat myself every single day that doesn't cost me anything. I already have it. I was just hiding it in the china cabinet. Oh, that's so true. And this has to do with
1: like your closet because so many people save like favorite dresses and they don't wear mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, if you love it, wear it.
0: Who cares? Wear you it. don't need a special occasion. And and right. And even if you work from home like me and no one's gonna see you, you see you.
1: Yeah, I love that. I'm gonna move on to the rapid fire questions, which is just questions I ask every guest at the end of the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What does your dream life look like?
0: I actually am living my dream life. <laughs> Awesome. So so if it could be amplified though I live in the Midwest and my daughter is graduating from high school next week. Wow! And Congrats to her. I know. So I'll we'll be empty nesters, and oh my, my so my dream life is what I'm living, just my home base in a different location. So I think I uh. think we're gonna move. We're exploring where that might be, but someplace a little more liberal. Oh,
1: that's exciting! <laughs> yeah. Wow! What a huge move. Yeah. So, what is one book or resource you recommend to everybody?
0: Oh, hands down. I think it's the best self-help book ever written. It's by Dr. Martha Beck, and it's called Finding Your Own North Star. Oh, my gosh. And it actually is the book that changed the entire trajectory of my life 13 years (sighs) ago. Wow.
1: I haven't heard of that, so I'll check that out. That's great. What is one habit that has changed your
0: life? Movement, exercise, completely changed my life. What type of movement do you do? Is it like the same routine? So I am a runner primarily, but I also, uh, since Thanksgiving, have been an avid cyclist on my Peloton bike, which I'm obsessed with. So if you don't know about Peloton, Google it. (laughs) It's amazing. Awesome. Okay. What is the best life
1: or career advice that you've ever gotten? From my grandmother. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I love it. Mm-hmm. And the last one is finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is not knowing what's next.
0: Ooh. Yeah. And that applies to you right now. It totally does. (laughs) It used used to drive me crazy. Like I wanted to know everything. And now I just recognize that the beauty is that you think, you know, and you can plan and do mantras and set intentions and manifest and all that. And then life tends to give you something even more beautiful if you let it.
1: And that's, that's so amazing. But you have to be open to let it happen. Mm -hmm. You can't resist it. All yeah. right. So lastly, Susan, where can we find you online?
0: Okay. So if you're interested in the bear work and the book, it's let'sgetbear.com. But the main Susan Hyatt hub is s s h y a t t. And I'm very active on Instagram at Susan Hyatt. I'm also on Facebook, but Instagram is a cooler place.
1: For sure. And we'll link all of those in the show notes so you guys can check out Susan. Thank you so much, Susan. It was so fun to talk to you, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much! All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Susan Hyatt as much as I did. So Now I just want to share some key takeaways I got from our conversation. First off, when you are looking at what you're telling yourself when you're deciding to eat or while you're eating, are you making that decision based on love? Or punishment, or something else. You want to make your decisions based on love. So, everything that you do, this applies to life, not just eating, but treat yourself with love, kindness, and respect. And love doesn't mean short term love, it doesn't mean like binging on a delicious ice cream. I mean, I'm guilty of that, but you guys know that long-term love means feeding yourself the things that will fuel you and make you feel good for the long term. I think so many times when we're struggling with our body and with our weight, we tend to push down those feelings by just like eating whatever and being careless about what we eat and careless about what we consume in terms of media as well. So ask yourself, with every decision that you make, am I doing this out of love, or is it out of punishment, fear, neglect, avoidance, something else that is just not love? So Make your decisions based on love. The next takeaway is when you notice yourself emotionally eating, or you have a tendency to overeat or treat yourself with a lot of junk food or sweets, pay attention to what you're avoiding feeling. For a lot of us, we simply find pleasure in eating and food brings us joy. But there is a point where you cross the line of what's okay, what's loving to your body, and you indulge in that pleasure. And it's in the long term, it's really not doing you any good. And ask yourself when you are like crossing that line, when you continue to indulge and eat and treat yourself. What are you trying to avoid? What are you trying to push down? What are you trying to fill up? Because I think sometimes we eat to fill a void. Well, what is that void? You know, as much as you eat, you're not going to fill that emotional void. So, ask yourself. And this is not easy. It takes some digging, it takes some reflection. Maybe you have to journal it out, but it's a really a really helpful place to start. The last takeaway is the exercise that Susan shared at the end to take note of your inner mean girl. Take note of your self-talk, your criticisms to yourself. It's kind of like eavesdropping on your thoughts because you are the observer of your thoughts. Some people mistake their thoughts for who they are. No, your brain just thinks thousands of thoughts per day. So you're not necessarily the one that's thinking like those thousands of thoughts. Your brain just does that naturally because it's your brain. So what you can do is you can start to observe your thoughts, observe the things that pop up, observe the things that you say to yourself like, I'm not good enough, or oh, why did I say that? I feel like I look stupid. And really take note of the things that you tend to repeat to yourself because usually it's it's not like your brain is Really creative, like it's really just thinking like the same type of thoughts again and again. And this is really helpful to like reverse your limiting beliefs and tap into your subconscious mind. Because if you become aware of those repetitive negative thoughts and self talk, you can start to rewrite those beliefs and change your mind literally, change your mind and decide to say something nicer, say something more loving to yourself. Alright, I'll leave it at that today, but definitely let me know what you think, and if you have any additional insights in the Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group. I'll see you guys in the group, and I hope you have a beautiful day. Love you so much. Alright, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Next, make sure you check out the 2019 Artist of Life Workbook and the Daily Planner by Lavender on my website, lavender.com. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavendaire, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye!